What's up, guys? This is Veteran State of Mind. I'm your host, Garrett Jones, and I want to say a big thank you to today's guest for jumping in last minute. Uh, before we get to him, I would like to say a very big thank you to today's sponsors. You know the score, no sponsor, no podcast. So if you do enjoy the podcast, and I'm assuming you do if you're here, uh, then please go and support these companies. The thing is, when I say support, uh, guys, as well, is I know not necessarily you might not want their products. You might have supported the products already, in which case, thank you. But you can support a company by just um, sharing their posts because if you've got 100 followers on social media, you share these guys' posts, maybe one of your friends will want to pick it up. So don't think you need to go spend your money, but please do support these companies as they support us because there wouldn't be a uh, wouldn't be a podcast otherwise, basically. So first of all, I want to say a big thank you to Combat Fuel for supporting my juicy gains. I have been hammering the vegan protein recently. I don't know if you've been noticing on social media, guys, but I have lost some weight. So thank you for not noticing. Um, I, uh, I've been using the vegan protein because obviously when you're cutting down on calories, it can be quite hard to find um, ways of getting your protein in. Like, what am I now? I was a, well, I'll tell you, I was 198.2 pounds when I weighed in this morning. And uh, so I try and get about 180 grams of protein a day. And that can be quite difficult without using a protein. Um, I don't really like using whey proteins um, because I don't, I don't feel like they're very good on my digestive system. So I use vegan protein, combat fuel to a salty caramel flavor. Absolutely delicious. If you use the code VSOM, VSOM, at checkout, you will get a discount on there. I think it's 15%. I can't remember what it is, but it's a generous discount. Support veteran-owned company. You know the score, guys. They're tagged down uh, at Combat Fuel on social media. Uh, Combat-Fuel.co.uk is the website, but they're in the uh, show notes. Uh, go and hit them up. And some of you guys have been telling Combat Fuel that you heard about them on the podcast. I appreciate you doing that because it makes us look good and it keeps bringing the podcast. So thank you for everyone's been doing that. Thank you to Zulu Alpha Straps, Bombers Watch Straps for Ali Blokes. They have some absolutely cracking designs out at the moment, guys. I haven't, I'm not going to lie, I haven't worn a watch for about a year now because I haven't had, <laughs> I'm been anywhere, have I? I haven't really had any reason to be wearing a watch, but I am looking forward to some social opportunities coming up. Um, uh, where I will be able to wear a nice Zulu Alpha strap on my wrist. Check out that Blackbeard one. I especially like that. Uh, as I've said before, guys, I have actually had, both in the military and in some heavy-duty drinking sessions, I have had watch straps snap on me, which has resulted in one time's lost watch, which is no use to man or beast. So get yourself a durable strap, and while you're doing it, support a veteran-owned company at Zulu Alpha Straps uh, on social media, ZuluAlphaStraps.com, linked up in the show notes. All right, today's guest is a friend of mine, Michael Coates. You will know him as host of the Fantastic Declassified podcast. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. It's linked up in the show notes. Um, Mike has had all kinds of really interesting guests on, and he's a really interesting guy himself, a former Royal Engineers, former firefighter, now a very successful business owner and his company do a lot to give back to uh, kids around the world and stuff, which I think is absolutely gleaming. Uh, he's a top bloke. Let's get to him. Please give a very warm welcome to Mr. Michael Coates. Coatesy. Hi, mate. Welcome back to the podcast, mate. Good to have you on. Thank you very much. Basically, listeners, Mike's just given me this long lie that he's moved his stuff into the van. The truth is, I've known this. Michael has been living out of his van for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, it's got three puppies written on the side of it. <laughs> My life would be significantly easier if I lived in a van, mate, believe you me. Significantly simpler if I lived in a van. But uh, I had to relocate because just the audio quality in the old cabin, it's, it's raining too hard. So I thought for you, mate, to do with sound quality, boom, we're in. Appreciate it, mate. Have you ever been on like a, like, you know, like the kind of like the living out the back of a van, like be that a camper van or anything? Have you ever done a bit of that, that kind of like those long extended road trips? I haven't actually. And it's one of, it's something that I kind of regret now looking back into my twenties where I wish I just took six months off and gone around India or something like that in a camper because it's not, it's certainly not a regret because there's plenty of time to get that stuff done, mm. but it is a, you know, when you chase, you know, leaving the military and then I chased the fire service, got that 
And then it was just all about that. And then you're just like, well, I'm not going to take, this is my happiness. This is, this is everything. But in fact, it's, it's not really in the simple life with, you know, camper van living, especially with no kids and it's just you and, you know, one other maybe. Um, no, no, I never did it, but this is kind of a, a very, uh, a lesser attempt to, to kind of re, re or, or live that life a little bit now with a family. Just, I, I've got this van kitted out to be like a, a very much a, kind of day slash adventure van. So it gives us that opportunity to get away for the weekend where I don't have to ram a car load and it's nice and easy and I can go swimming and everything's in in its place. And like now I'm at a table and all the rest of it. So the answer is no, I definitely wish I had a done, but I'm, I'm 100% going to do that in the future. Um, and I'm, I'm living a pretend I'm like, I'm, fantasizing about it now <laughs> with this thing was that a, a covid inspired thing was it because did you realize that it was going to be uk holidays for a while is that what kind of was the driving force probably a combination it probably fast forwarded a little bit so this van was our original um pest control van right and it's a really nice ford transit you know, we spent a lot of money on it several years ago and we just retired it you know it's a diesel it was working in london um but, you know, really good quality vehicle. Um, and I got a, a chap who I know, uh, really talented bloke to, to renovate it, really, to, to redo it inside. And But it was twofold. So one was the, the COVID thing and not having, obviously, international travel. Um, giving that freedom, you know, this, this vehicle gives me freedom. It's not the vehicle. I didn't want a vehicle. I didn't want a van. I wanted the freedom to be able to go out and do stuff, you know, day trips to the beach or a couple of days away. Um, but also I've got little, little children and I just think that the UK, forget about all the politics and all the, the BS around everything, but the UK in, in, you know, what, uh, wildlife and nature and, and history and heritage, um, we are right up there. Uh, you know, you go to the Lake District, you go to Brecon, you go to Snowdon, you go to Cornwall. There's no more, nowhere in the world more beautiful than that. It's just different, beautiful. And I wanted my children to experience what I never experienced as a kid. And that's growing around different places, whether that's the West Coast of Scotland or Sky or, or you know, either, either Silly or wherever it is. Um, so it's a, a mixture of two things. I think it fast forwarded it a little bit and it's really put a market down and said, look, I'm, I'm staying in the UK travel wise for the next couple of years i don't really want to be going out and about traveling with the family what what kind of holidays were you taking before that have you always been like kind of a like because i've i was thinking this kind of like on the end of the spectrum you've got your people who are just they want to live in hostels and they want to get amongst everything in the backpack and then on on the other end of the spectrum you've got resort never leave a resort you know where where, where do you kind of fall on, on that spectrum in the past definitely not a resort definitely not a resort i'm not a person who will sit in by a pool all you can eat kind of a all-inclusive place that that no appeal to me whatsoever when i go away or when i have done in the past especially when you know before children it's always been about uh getting away from brits or as many <laughs> many westerners as possible <laughs> yeah. um getting out getting into places having like a bit of adventure you know, not knowing where we're staying or or, or doing something like you know, I've done it a few times where we've gone to India and we've done a couple of couple of weeks doing yoga for a few weeks and massage and kind of sorting yourself out. Nice. Um, so I've done that, you know, several times in, in Southeast Asia and and whatnot. But equally, you know, you go to France and you can get some, you know, Airbnbs and getting out in the middle of nowhere. We've just been to Cornwall actually, and we did a week um, on a caravan park, but it was very much, you know, by a beach by ourselves. You know, there's no like activities or anything it was just exploring cornwall and then we went for a week in um in a, a kind of farmhouse totally by ourselves for for a week as well and that's the way i like it you know just to get away i don't want to be around loads of people um that interested has very little interest for me i'd rather just sit on the side of a, a harbour wall crabbing for six hours than than <laughs> than, than uh, in an all-inclusive any day how do you, you're a business owner, you've got the podcast, um, you know, you're busy, man. How do you divide up time for holidays, for work, for family and all that kind of thing? Well, I think this year has been, this year was the testament to everything we've tried to do over the last three or four years. And before that, I wasn't great at doing it. I wasn't great at taking um, 
long periods of time off. And I, when I mean long, I mean two weeks. Um, and I was very much like a week at a time and I couldn't do anything more because the, the business needed me. And I felt like I was tied to that. Any decision making, it had to be me. Um, or certainly in the areas I was working within the business. And I was, I was an integral cog. And, you know, we've, we've, we've got people on board. Um, and delegated as much as possible, but also created systems within the business to allow people to make decisions. So I didn't, I'm not a bottleneck. I think that's the main right. thing is it's yeah. part of like an ecosystem. We don't want bottlenecks, bottlenecks and massive things like bringing Sean on, you know, whatever it was two, nearly three years ago. You, you mean Sean Jones, Sean Jones, at MC, yeah. one of veteran state of mind's very first guests back when we couldn't get anyone interested on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he is very interested. So he did a good one there. Yeah, bringing him on and making him part of the business and he's he's t- taking it up a notch, absolutely. And then other, other bringing it, like the majority of our business uh, team or the team within the business, 90% are veterans or reservists. And sometimes it's bad and a lot of times it's really, really good and we recruit really well. And I think that's, that's part of it. So to answer that question, mate, is how can I go away for two weeks? And this time I really, really did switch off, you know, no emailing. I was totally out the office, no decision making uh, with the exception of one phone call I made. Um, and everything else ran really, really well. But that is, that is not easy to do, especially with like a service business like us, where there's a million moving parts, Mm. but really you look at systems as boring as that sounds, that does create freedom for a, for a business owner or for a, a person who's in charge of a team. You create systems so anything goes wrong or if, if you need to implement, there is literally a step-by-step guide. Um, and we've created, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them and documented it so it's an easy fashion. So that that for me is, is the way, as a business owner, create systems, m- allow a good education piece so people can use those systems, bring in good people that you trust, um, make them feel part of something, give them something, um, and then... And then, yeah, then then it makes your life significantly easier. To put, to put it in a military context, it's a, you, it, it like, look at section attacks. You don't have every section commander, like, as is just a totally different way of doing a section attack. If a section commander goes down, the 2IC knows what to do in that position, right? He steps up and then someone knows how to step into the 2IC's position. And that is a system, right? That would be an example of a system that is codified that everybody knows this is how the system works. Like you could take a section commander from one regiment, drop him in another, and he knows how to run a section attack there. So that's that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Is everybody knows this is how we do it, and this is like you might have you might choose to go right flanking instead of left flanking, but this is how we do a section attack. That's that's exactly right, yeah. And that's what we've almost modelled it on. You know, we don't want um, you you of course you want th- free thought. So you know, if you're a technician on the ground. You want to be able to go, well, I, I think this way, this is the way. But actually, the process of getting to that point is very much like step one, do this. Step two, do that. So, Garrett, if you came into the business and I said, oh, can, go do that, I will pass you an e-document that says step one, step two, step three, and then you could do it. And then over time, that becomes natural. And and, th- and that's it. And really, you know, as a, uh, and I would start that as a small business as early as possible, even if it's yourself, just documenting that because it creates business asset. Um, that that creates value, but it also creates massive freedom and that ability to go. Um, there's the information. Deal with it. Not just you as well. Like w- within it, takes a lot off Sean. Takes a lot off other guys that are running the operation. Takes a lot off the lads on the ground or the admin team. Um, and we're still working on it. You know, it's got lots to lots to do. So, but yes, that's exactly exactly right, mate. I mean, that's something I need to do, and I keep. But like you said, it's got to start as early as possible because sometimes I'm like, "God, oh, I wish I could offload some stuff," and then I'm like, "Ah, oh, but I haven't got the time now to train somebody up or to, you know." I think it's to anyone out there that's going to get into business, or even if if you're in the army now still and you're thinking about going into the business, just put down what you think it'll be, you know, and then change it when you get there. But just get started on it because once you're in, it's it's very hard. Like really, I you know I it would be something that I'd have to take like a week off now and just get fully, you know, stuck into it because I'm not very good at doing things at halves, mate. If I started doing it, oh, I'm going to chip away here, then 
three days later, I'd, I'd, I'd still be, once I'd gone down that rabbit hole, I'm, I'm, I'm down there. I want to talk to you mate, about a bit about, like, you obviously, you've got the declassified podcast going, you've had great guests on there, great episodes. I wanted to kind of talk to you about some of the lessons that you've drawn from that and from, from your guests. And before getting into those ones kind of on the broader scale, I wanted to be a bit more specific about the one you've done recently, which you, you've done an episode about psychedelics. And obviously, I, you know, I want everyone to go over and listen to that. But from your point of view, what was your, what was your perception of, I don't, I don't really want to say drugs, because obviously saying drugs is like, you know, you've got fucking ibuprofen as a drug, beer as a drug. Most magic mushrooms are a drug, you know. <laughs> we got very like it's 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 like saying humans, you know. You got so many different people doing different things. But what was your perception of of psychedelics and that kind of thing when you were in the military and well, actually growing up, then in the military and and what are they now and has that evolved? Yeah, I've definitely from a generation of fear, you know, just say no, just say no, and then so that's how I lived my life. You know, I didn't, I've never taken nicotine or you know, smoked in any way. Um, I've, you know, I've kept away from all drugs, especially when I was in, you know, that that would have been unheard of. I just thought you'd be a hippie or a loser or whatever, if you'd have been taking in brackets drugs. And then, um, but then everything's changed recently and and it's changed because of, well, people like yourself and conversations we have, have had about things like DMT and, um, and and the therapeutic effects of of things like ayahuasca and and all these kind of so it's the podcast has definitely changed my mind on things and it's also opened things up because things aren't straight laced like you said you know drugs are bad right drugs are bad but actually when used in the right setting in the right dose with the right people around you <laughs> I mean it's it's a proven fact that certain drugs can can create a safe space and an empathetic individual and a, and a, a lessen the fear of, of past trauma. So if we look at it from a, a therapeutic point of view, we've got things that are classified as, um, or categorized as, as totally illegal yet that could have some amazing impact. Um, I don't know if that answers your question or not, yeah, but certainly yeah. I've come from, a, from this, like ju- just say no to a, to a totally turnaround really. And when used in the right way, any drug can be good. Oh yeah. I was in the same way, man. I think it was our, a really our generation got hammered with this idea of like, not only are drugs bad, but you're a loser if you use them. And cause yes, there were people in the military when you and me were in who used drugs, but it was very rare because I think most of us were of the thing of, nah, man, People drink booze. If you do drugs, you're just a fucking loser. Whilst we are drinking yeah. our liquid drugs, you know, because <laughs> anyone out there that doesn't think alcohol is a drug, go and look up the definition of alcohol. It is a drug. Um, so there you go. So, you know, again, this idea of drugs are bad. Really? I think I, I antibiotics have got a lot of good, you know, they've got a lot of good attributes to them. Paracetamol is pretty good. So there are, you know, there are a lot of uses. But, you know, for, for me, I did think it was that, you were a loser. And if you ever touched drugs, mm. you would be living on the streets. And then when I went to LA and I'm meeting all these multimillionaires and they're doing drugs, I'm like, oh, well, they're not living on the streets. They seem to be doing pretty well. I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, the crash is coming for them at some point. And then it doesn't. And then you're like, oh, wait, I suppose you can actually be responsible about this the same way as you, as you can drink responsibly. Um, but it's 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 a very, I think we're, we're I think we're, we are going to see a change over the next, and it's probably going to be a long time, but over the 20 years, I think we are going to see a change in attitude towards um, these things, particularly, you know, psychedelics. And I I feel like as a nation, it's almost barbaric to hold back the use of these things because essentially what you're saying to someone is, right, this mushroom comes from the ground and it can help you become a better human being it can help you come over trauma because we've written on this piece of paper that you're not allowed to use it. We are going to, you're going to have to just carry on suffering. Sorry. Or if we catch you with them, we might put you in a cage for a bit. I mean, that's just, it's any way you cut it. That's barbaric. If we look at this from two points of view, if we look at it from recreational use and then we look at it from a clinical point of view. So the worst thing from a clinical point of view, when they're running trials on something like MDMA, for example, is, uh, 
it's put an argument where it should be decriminalized and then it can be used recreationally because then it's not in a setting of, of therapy. It's not in a, a, a medical and it's very difficult for them to get that through. Yeah. So what I'm saying, sorry, I, I just want to make sure I got this right. So when you're saying the worst thing, you're saying that like there's been no downside shown in the clinical trial. So the argument would be, oh, well, if we pass this clinical stuff, then they'll pass recreational stuff. Is that? No, it, it's for them clinically. And I get it is to say, well, let's open it up and decriminalize it for everyone to use. They're very, the clinical side of things are very much about, you know, a real purpose and a real reason. And it's not about decriminalizing drugs. It's about using something like MDMA or using something like psilocybin um, in a very controlled measure to get an end result. And so I think that if, we, so, so my point there is we look at it from two points of view the recreational use, and we look at it from a clinical point of view. And in the podcast over the coming weeks and months, we're going to discuss both aspects of that. This this episode with Alex um, that came out on Wednesday was very much, uh, not so much recreational, you could call it, but it was about almost about decompression, really. It was about after, you know, a very juicy Afghan tour, mm. but it, but we, we concentrate a lot on his childhood as well. And the ayahuasca in, when he went to the Amazon was very much about, him coming to terms with some stuff was him integrating back into society in in the best possible way, and he and he did that through essentially DMT in the form of a a, a tea that's been used for thousands and thousands of years. <laughs> um, so that that's one side of it. Whereas one of the episodes that I was chatting with a chap yesterday, um, who's who's leading this this kind of charge clinically with MDMA and therapy, and I mean, I mean, the benefits and the positivity around that with therapy c- could be, you know, really mind blowing. Um, and the recovery and there's some other aspects that we'll, we'll broach in that episode about that. Um, so we've got that side of things as well. So I think there's two, yeah, there's two, certainly two sides to this story, recreational and uh, clinical. Yet both could be used in a therapeutic way. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's something important for people to remember is just because something's recreational doesn't mean it's not therapeutical. Like, going to sit with your mates and watch the football is recreational, but you telling me you don't feel better after it. I mean, you know, so I think we need to be, like, and, and obviously there is the, especially with young, reckless people, there's going to be always people that, go over the top but that's the same with booze it's the same as it's mate it's the same with dominoes people will order five dominoes instead of one like well when you're young and reckless you do young and reckless things and when you're Mm. you when you're old and reckless you do reckless things but i don't think that it's right for us as human beings to say look because some people are going to abuse this you don't get to use it that's not right that's punishing everyone for the actions of other people, which I don't think in a free society is, is how we should operate. I, I think we'll look back when we're growing old and we'll look back at different therapies. And um, I, I genuinely believe that things like psychedelics in brackets, you know, it covers a, a, a vast, um, a vast category and covers a lot in that, that word. We'll look back and, and that'll be, that'll be um, normal. You know that'll be normal to go in and, and speak to a uh, speak to a psychedelic therapist about and and you know like we look at we've always looked at it from a military point of view with therapy and things like PTSD and complex PTSD and but that you know if we look at this from a, a statistical point of view the amount of our our guys that are suffering with PTSD is a within a population of veterans or military personnel and then we look at it from a population at whole is a tiny tiny amount it's, they're not insignificant they're absolutely significant and we should be doing but one of the one of the, the defining factors in the fact that guys can come forward and just be like of course i'm taking therapy of course this is good for me if x y and z is that they're not ashamed of what they've done that's that's created the the, the trauma especially that that operational trauma um and let's not look at childhood trauma for a second, but they're not ashamed of it. So they can openly talk about it. So they're, they're fine to go on things like documentaries and talk about, you know, MDMA or ayahuasca or whatever therapy it is. Um, yet we have a massive demographic of survivors of child sex abuse or ch- 
survivors of, of sexual crime or road traffic collisions, which make up the majority of those suffering from, from post-trauma injury and illness in this country. Um, and that, I, that's why I believe the military community is so important, not just to look after themselves, which, which I believe we do in certain respects very well, but to a wider society and open the door, um, open the door to these forms of therapies and this way of thinking. And if we do it in a really methodical way and we don't just go off, off the handle, um, <laughs> Uh, and that's why you know having different sides to the story have the clinical point of view have have people who have been there and done it and you know part of the podcast is is declassifying stigmas and that's one of the things that i want to achieve and i'm going to do several episodes on psychedelics over the yeah again that the next coming months because i think it's really it's really really important because if we all keep thinking drugs are bad and that's it then we'll never be able to 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 be open-minded and if you look at things like you've been you've been through it way more than me so you i'll take your opinion on this in a second but if we look at this from therapy so the amount of times i hear someone's gone for therapy and it hasn't worked right in brackets work because of relationship breakdown with a therapist the the style of therapy the location um, and then it's induced fear, and then the fear has stopped them from going back again, right? I think we can both agree that happens time and time again because it's very difficult to get it right the first time. Whereas something like MDMA, that would then, and again, I'm no expert on this. This is kind of second-hand information that I'm just absorbing at the moment. But something like MDMA that makes you more empathetic, that reduces fear levels in your body, that makes you totally open to um, reliving trauma, I mean that that there. If you just look at the ability then to to get someone back to therapy after that first initial and and or open you know old womb so to speak. Um, I mean that that to me seems bonkers. It's not around at the moment, but again, people are moving forward with that, and it, it seems like the obvious next step. Mate, I'll tell you this: the only reason I was able to have sober conversations with my therapist was because I'd had a lot of. Uh, drug-induced conversations in the years leading up to that. Like, that was... I'd taken the lid off everything. There was nothing I talked to about my therapist that I hadn't talked to at a stranger at five o'clock in the morning because I was on drugs. And don't get me wrong, you can talk a lot of shit when you're on drugs, right? You can talk about opening fucking seafood restaurants with someone you just met. There's a lot of fucking ridiculous stuff... (laughs) I love having a chat about aliens, but I tell you this, mate, some of the stuff that people have told me at five in the morning, I've just met this person. I remember once this girl telling me about how her, her mum was a prostitute and she would be she would be in the corner of the studio apartment while her mum was getting fucked Ugh. by these Johns. And she's telling me about this. This girl was um, had been in and out of rehab her whole life. I met another girl who told me about what it was like when her brother died in a motorcycle accident when you know her best friend, her brother died. They're telling me the stuff, mate. Are they? Are we were we having that conversation if MDMA or coke or something is in there? And I'll say this: I do think there's a lot more downsides to coke than there is to MDMA. I really, I really, I'm very pro MDMA use in the right circumstances. Coke, not so much. But um, the fact is, and I, and I, and let's be honest too: alcohol. There was alcohol in those situations. Me and those strangers were well one. We were having those conversations for a reason. The reason being because we were fucking hurting inside. That's why. Mm. And we jumped at the chance once those stigmas and barriers and things, once they were pulled away, we were like, look, here's another person in pain. This person gets it. I need to fucking talk to this person. Doesn't matter. I've only known them 12 hours. I've got to get this shit off my chest and they've got to get it off theirs. And that, and I, I've been in a lot of fucking kitchen sessions, mate. I've been in a lot of hotel sessions. I've been in a lot of house parties and after parties. And there's a reason why people tell us stuff because they're hurting. And and it's uh, and it's very hard. It is possible to have these conversations sober as we are having now. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's it is very hard to have these conversations sober. Uh, me and me and Leo Jenkins were having this conversation about psychedelics once. Me and him were both help both use drugs to help get over a problem, and we thought, isn't it crazy that we had to break the law to save our own lives? Mm. And that was what that's what it comes down to for me. It's like 
I, I, I think there's, I think there's far, like other people that die from taking too much MDMA or something. Yes, there absolutely are. There's some people who go and drink three grams of ketamine and then wonder why they die. But overwhelmingly, you know, how many lives are saved by this stuff? And I think that's a big, that's a big question. And I, th- I think it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so just for the record, I am no expert on it and, but I'm, I'm very open to it. I'm looking at it from a different point of view. I've never, you know, used in brackets drugs. So, but it's certainly something I'm, I'm looking into in the right setting, but it's Switzerland's a prime example. They, they legalized, I think it was heroin. I think it was like the eighties or nineties, something like that. They legalized heroin and they gave it out for free but you had to take it and use it inside a government funded run um, center. So seven o'clock in the morning, you'd rock up, you'd, they'd inject you or the, they'd help you um, inject. And then they'd take the heroin uh, and then off you go for the day you, you'd go off. So why would you then take poor stuff or whatever? So it's that that's one end of the spectrum with heroin where people have been uh, suffering self-medication and the self-medication spiraled into you know, into, into oblivion. And then they've, the, the Swiss government have figured stuff out because they like to be organized and all the rest of it. And then they've, they've done that. Whereas if we look at the other side of things where it's, it's functioning individuals who are uh, in need of therapy because of past traumas or because, because of past problems, then that ability then to have conversations, have, uh, have therapy in the right setting um, with a legal, in a legal sense, because I, I, I'm not advocating it. I'm not advocating going out and getting blasted in a in a nightclub and talking to someone at four in the morning. They're, that's your experiences, and it's a really valid experience. But it's 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 piss poor, isn't it? That that that's what's got to happen. Thing is, I can get quite angry about this situation. Even yesterday, when I was speaking to the the, the psychotherapist who I was. Who, yeah. um, I'm going to get on, and I had to kind of calm myself down. And he was like, "Look, these are the problems that we've got." Um, I've got to take a more of a, a, a refined approach on it because I don't want to say too much as well because I don't want to jeopardize anything. Not that it, not that it would, but um, yeah, yeah, don't you? Yeah. It's just got to be done. It's there to be used. We've just got to ed- make sure people are educated and we can use stories. Stories is a very emotive way, and that's why the podcast or that episode uh, uh, on Wednesday was is so good because it is someone's story, and you can't. There's no opinion in there. It's just someone's story, and you can't argue with that. It's just the way it is. Um, and we've got a few more coming as well. Stories of, about guys who've used, especially ayahuasca, in the right in the right sense. And then again, yeah, we'll we'll get the clinical point of view as well to get the facts about this stuff. And again, I'm no expert, mate, but it, there's some serious roads. And I've had I've had conversations with professors and doctors in psychiatry about this, and they're all like this. 100% something in this. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'll be the first to admit that I have abused drugs, right? But I think, you know, not... And the, At the end of the day, I am responsible for my own choices. But I'll say this. I think that I would have been less likely to abuse them if I could have had an open, honest conversation with people about what was going on. If I wasn't worried about going to fucking prison. If I wasn't worried about getting a criminal record. You know, if I wasn't ashamed to talk about it because it was illegal. Because, like you said, we grew up in this this um, a, a time of you're a loser, you're a loser, you're a loser. And then you're like, oh, my God, not only am I a loser for suffering after war, which makes me feel like less of a man and makes me feel like I'm pathetic and makes me feel like I'm a burden. I'm also a loser for doing drugs. I might as well just fucking kill myself. That's what was going through my head. Because, you know, but imagine if it was like, hey, no, no, no. The conversation is we know sometimes people will self-medicate because they're suffering, as you just said. If you have that. Come and talk about it. You're not a loser. It's just normal. Imagine if that was the 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 thing. What a difference it would make to people. And you know, my 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 thing as well is, I don't think you should have to be going through trauma to have to use MDMA. If your fucking life is great and it's always been great, and you want to take some MDMA, you have every fucking right, as far as I'm concerned, to to do that as well. And I think you and me, mate, are both. I think one of the things I've seen over people is. I, I think people are flawed. I think you, ev- we all believe that people, you know, all of us have our flaws. But I think you and me have a very high opinion of what human beings are capable of doing. And I think a lot of our kind of mindset comes down to 
optimizing human life, helping people on the right direction. But, you know, I, I'm I'm not one of these people that thinks that everyone needs to be told what to do. I think that I think that that people are capable of so fucking much. And is that kind of is is that accurate of what you say? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that kind of how you see things? About people that are more capable than we give them credit for. I think people, including myself, need permission to do things. So that it's it's permission based. Um, what what would the word be? Permission based doing. Permission based achieving. You know, some people, uh, you know, look at. I'll speak for myself. So look at me, where the way I was brought up. And in the environment I was brought up, if you got a twenty-four thousand pound a year job, you know, in the late nineties, you were made for like life. If you got twenty-four grand a year, that was it. Oh man, like he's on twenty-four grand a year, you were set. If he was on thirty grand a year, you'd be like, Oh god, look how posh he is. <laughs> so there's a limitation. We we almost as a as communities and societies limitate ourselves to doing things. So if we can then lift the lid on that and optimize well-being and optimize performance like you said a, a second ago and if people are suffering give them the tools and give them the permission to get better but don't by not by telling or enforcing or restricting but by opening things up because everyone's different and everyone's going to perform differently especially if they're in a bad place but if they're in a good place well why not use different ways and open different parts of the brain or open different uh, open different avenues to what success is for example you know we put too much onus on financial success whereas you know if you look at well-being you look at performance and then you look at people who are who you admire they've got their friends their friendship groups are are excellent you know then they're not putting every single bit of energy into financial success but they they put plow energy and time into uh, a purpose or you know volunteering or um making sure the people are happy and making looking after their friends you know concentrating on their self concentrating on their sleep uh being compassionate and caring to their children and giving them time all these other things and that's an uh, i i think that's another thing about performance is you know when when if you're an example to someone or you're setting an example I see too many people focusing on cash in this everlasting pursuit of, well, that'll make me better once I hit that target or that'll make me better once I hit that target and not enough on taking control of your own situation, taking control of your own finance, taking control of your own social network, uh, social support network. Um, so yeah, permission based um, advice or permission based examples are really good. And, 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 a, and a, a, a very good example of that is, what we've been doing with cold water, what we've been doing with wild swimming, as simple as that sounds, it it's given people a different avenue to connect. It's given people a different avenue to experience something, you know, uh, that's quite hard sometimes to do, a bit of adversity, a bit of suffering. Um, but they have to see it. And it, like social media, for example, it's a good way of advertising that. But then cultivating a group and bringing especially blokes together to experience it has been a really worth worthwhile thing but if it wasn't for doing and then giving people permission people wouldn't do it and then they wouldn't have the conversations and they wouldn't optimize their well-being and they wouldn't optimize their performance i've kind of gone a bit off there but hopefully you get what i'm saying no, 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 mate. It's, it's great. I, I had cold waters on the itinerary as well, so I'm glad you hit that. Um, I just want to say one more thing about drugs and successful people, though, because it just popped up in my head when you were saying that. I think maybe one of the best examples I've, I've seen in it recently was the... You remember when Joe Rogan had Elon Musk on and Elon Musk smoked a, smoked a joint with Joe Rogan? Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. People were like, all of a sudden, were talking about Elon Musk, like, all of a sudden... He hadn't had, he didn't have a space company. He didn't have Tesla. It was like, oh, I can't believe he smoked that. And it's like, did you listen to anything he said on that podcast about artificial intelligence? And it's like, what? can't believe he smoked that joint. And that to me kind of blew my mind about like, you've just like, one of the things that's amazing, mate, and I'll say this again, because you've had, and we've had great guests on this podcast and you've had great ones on yours. The ability to get this permission off people. So for instance, you know, you're talking about permission for success. Elon Musk, whatever you think about him, I'm a bit pissed off about what he's done to cryptocurrency at the moment, but there you go, that's by the by. The point is, 
He is one of the greatest minds humanity has produced in a long time. And he's talking to you and giving you his ideas and his time for hours. When has that ever, like, mm. maybe if you lived in Athens, you could go and listen to one of the great philosophers speak, you know, back in a few thousand years ago. But realistically, for most of time now, people have lost that. If you've been quote unquote in the peasant group which we clearly are right you don't get you you didn't get like the last few years the access to these people and elon musk is there giving you three hours of his time and his ideas and his philosophies and his 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 thoughts about where humanity is going and people are like can't believe he smoked a joint <laughs> and, it, and that just goes to show how much this kind of the drug thing has been battered into us of that's what it should matter it's like I don't give a fuck if he's sitting in Joe Rogan fucking shooting heroin into his eyeballs. Like, the stuff that he was talking about is is literally, like, paradigm-changing. And that's one of the things about drugs. It's like, we are programmed throughout our life to think about different things. Like, you were saying about the... the the, the I'm 100% with you, mate. I can remember we're thinking, like, oh, you know... The, the the meaning of life is to get out of school and find a job that's stable with a steady wage and then you're set then, aren't you? Oh, God, 30 grand a year, I'll be fucking sick. Um, and like that, and that's not a problem. Like, at the end of the day, you have to be programmed with something. I'm glad I had that programmed into my head and not like go and fucking be a jihadi bride or something. You know, there's all the different ways you could go. So as far as things went, I had a pretty good programming. But one of the things that things like MDMA, weed, and, and I'm not a weed person at all, but what they do allow you to do, and DMT definitely does this, is it breaks a paradigm and allows you to see things from a different point of view and experience yourself from a different point of view. And I don't think that... I think one of the things that people underestimate with MDMA and that kind of thing is they think what you only have the effect from it while you're doing it, which is not the case. If you do MDMA properly... That experience then of breaking paradigms, seeing the world through a different set of eyes, seeing yourself through a different set of eyes, experiencing different emotions, you know, use the thing of opening rooms, going into new rooms. Once you know those rooms then exist in that mansion that is your brain, you can then go back into them without the need of the MDMA or DMT or whatever, because you know where that room is, you know what's in that room. And I think that is really underestimated by people that we're not saying that every week for the rest of your life, you've got to go and get fucking do some Mandy. You're not saying that, but you know, for some people just that one experience might be enough to totally change the direction, um, you know, of, of, of the rest of their life. But what you're saying about permission, mate, I think is really, really important because we're at this weird moment in history where on one side of the thing, you've got access to all these people and like you and me, we never struggle to get guests who want to come on and help other people. So on one side of the spectrum, you've got all this information. People are giving you this information for free. They want you to succeed. Like I want people to succeed. You want people to succeed. But then on the other hand, it seems to be that society is almost slipping back into this thing of no, no, Know your place, peasants. And I think maybe that that is a reaction to the fact that a lot of people are saying, no, you know what? I don't want to be in this fucking box that you put me in. I want to be fucking doing this and doing that. Do you do you feel that we are in a moment of time, which is like, you know, you're talking about history books. When, we look, when people are looking back over the last hundred years, this period that we're in now is going to be one of those moments that really sticks out as a almost a who who knows how it's going to end up but a real shift in society bear with me on this so if you look at the the first world war and so you look at flight right and you look at the what was in the air in the first world war and then you look at the the other technologies that were you know 1914 what technology we had what medicines we had uh, the world view at the point in that in that point of time then you look at um, 1819, <clears throat> 19, the world view has changed drastically because we've just had a world war. You know, you've got guys coming back, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of men coming back and, and loss of identity, suffering in their own right. There's no purpose anymore. There's depressions and stuff like that that happen um, after that societally. But there's a technology shift especially then you look, you go to the second world war, there's another technology shift. And after that second world war, then there's, there's a different worldview than there was, you know, 30 years before technologies changed, communications changed, you know, from print, predominantly print back in 
in the first world war to now cinemas and a different way of using radio so then we've got this total change in media right from that first world war to the second world war and i'm using the wars as kind of reference points and then you you go forward and you go through all the major conflicts um since then vietnam or korea big japan and vietnam and then you go forward again um uh, uh, the Falklands, First Gulf War, Second Gulf War, Afghanistan. Every single time, it's a bit of a blurred line between the Second Gulf War and, and Afghanistan, right? But if you look at the start of that and the end of that, technology's changed, medical science has changed. That, so if you look at maybe, you know, eight years ago, that was winding down, seven, six years ago. I don't want to uh, insult anyone who was there at that point in time but you get my point and then now what are we in we've had 10 years of social media over 10 years of social media we are in an absolute prime unique opportunity with the right technology right people i've said it this before actually i said that i said this the last two or three years you have this time in uh, this period in time that everything is changing worldview when have we ever had a worldview like we are we've had right now good or bad when have we had social mobility and and obviously that's not for Everyone, the, the opportunity to move socially is there. Now, it's obviously more difficult for others. So that's another conversation. But you have the ability to move socially. You have, because you have a phone in your hand that you could set a business up in one day and, and be selling something if you, if you had that, uh, that, that spirit inside you to do that. You could do that. So the answer is, I think we have the right technology if used correctly, we have the right media channels. If used correctly, you have the right network of people that you could communicate with. Like me and you shouldn't be, we wouldn't be communicating like this even just a few years ago on this platform. Um, and then putting this out to hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, this may well stay on this for a hundred years. So we have got this, a unique opportunity to do something absolutely phenomenal on the same line. We have the, the opposite as well. We have a unique time to kind of implode as well, which I'd rather not talk about too much because I kind of keep my opinions to myself. Put your tinfoil out on me. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah. Um, but I just think, you know, you know, from a business point of view, yeah, you get hammered, but if you can get past that, you're in a, a very unique situation. And, yeah, I don't think there's a, a, there's never been a better time to have a say. And if you've got if you've got something to say that's wor- worthwhile, people will listen. And I think we get too hung up as well with social media, especially. Um, and stop me, mate, if I'm going off on tangents here. But no, I'll keep going, mate. Keep going. <laughs> if you've got on social media two hundred people that follow you and you're selling something off, you've got a message to to get out there. But for most people now, 200 people following you and listening to you, engaging you is not enough, which is bonkers if you think about it. Because if you were, if you were speaking to 100, 100 or 200 people in a room, you'd be shitting your pants. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. And you'd be like so nervous and go, oh my God, I've got two, 200 people have come to see me. And then if you've got 1,000 or two, I once played rugby in front of 2,000 people, I was shitting myself. It was amazing to have 2,000 people watching you play. Obviously, they were, obviously they was watching me play, um, but, but you know what I mean. Like, we're, so we're in a unique time where forget about the numbers because I know people who've got two hundred thousand followers, mm. three hundred thousand followers, get no engagement. So if you look at just from social media point of view and using that correctly, don't go for numbers, go for engagement um, and and use that. And like, you know, we do that very well with a podcast. And not so much on social media, but we do have an engagement. But on the podcast, we get a lot of engagement, we get a lot of listens because there's valuable like you said you know you've got someone for an hour an hour and a half ultimately what where where would you get that you wouldn't get time with them you wouldn't get that time with them everyone's busy out they doing stuff so um yeah just uh, just use what we've got use the technology use the well view um and and change things for yourself before you try and change it, everything for everyone else i'm going to mix my analogies here so bear with me right but when you go when you lift weights it's the few reps that you do that hurt and are, are the difficult ones that will make the difference in in growing, right? Um, when you're doing any kind of business project, it's easy to sit down and start writing ideas about your business. It's hard to execute it. 
so when things get hard, that's when you're actually making progress on stuff usually. I think that the reason we're seeing a lot of clampdowns around the world or attempted clampdowns on people by governments and things like that is because we, we are on the cusp of changing society, I think, because people have got opportunities to shake up the status quo in a way that hasn't been seen in hundreds of years. Um, and I think that the fact that there's so much pushback by the status quo, by big banks, by the government, and because they're all in, obviously basically one and the same, that to me, as somebody that lifts weights, as somebody that works on artistic projects, as somebody in business, that says to me, fuck, we could be on the edge of something massive now if only people keep pushing. And all we need to do to keep pushing is keep doing what we're doing, keep, you know, keep understanding that you don't need somebody else's permission to do anything, that you can make a business through your phone, that you can go out and, you know, meet with all these other people. The fact that, you know, like borders don't need to mean as much anymore. You, you, you can become best friends with someone on the other side of the world through a phone. You can start a business on someone on the other side of the world through the phone. Mm. And, and that to me makes me think that we, cause I, I agree, you know, I'm a history buff, mate. Like I agree with you, you look back and, 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 and quite often wars are, I think they're, they're good markers in history because usually they do mark a big growth and quite often massive societal change. You know, you've got the Russian revolution tied in with the first world war. Um, you've got the Soviet Union and the uh, obviously the the political kind of uh, you the change in Europe from the back end of the Second World War that that influences um, the way that societies are structured throughout the world. You know this, so it it, it makes sense to to look at wars and and things and and I I feel like I go one way or the other on it. Sometimes I I'm really I, I'm really happy with the position that we're in at the moment. But I do sometimes worry and I think, I hope people don't give up on this. I hope people don't give up on um, on the amount of opportunity they have as an individual and turn over, es- es- essentially turn over their fate and put it in the hands of the state. Because I obviously there's all, well, you and me, when you and me were growing up, a lot of people had given up on life and they'd said, I'm like I'm taking unemployment for for my life and that's what I'm doing. I'm not going to I'm not going to try and see the world. I'm not going to try and build a business. I'm putting my life in the hands of the state. Mm. And obviously some people don't have a choice. They're put there by you want to call it god or or luck or bad luck or whatever. Some people are are put in those positions. But what I really hope over the next few years now is more and more people don't go, you know what? make my decisions for me. You know, yeah, you, you, my income will rely on you and all that kind of stuff. Because I just think that when you're doing that, I don't think you can have a full life as a human being when you're letting someone make all your decisions for you, when you're relying on other people. I just don't think that that is the experience human beings are supposed to have. But, I think, I think business is, I think business is a good way. You know, if you don't like your life, you don't like your job you're in, or you're not, you're not, committed to it with a purpose i think starting your own business is good and looking for good examples of people who have done that you know whether it's big or small you know not everyone has to have a scalable business that turns over a billion pounds you know you can really make a good living for yourself and you, and my point there is you can change stuff that way you can change the way people perceive business or an industry we can look at what you just said then this massive um task to do or we can take it on because business you have to pay you know that you are relied upon to to collect tax and to do certain things and of course yeah i mean that that way of doing things is is we have to keep you know the cogs turning i suppose but with regards to business you, you can make your own decisions you can change the way you impact the world or you can change the way uh employment is seen or you can give you know benefits way beyond and there's some great examples of big business doing it and all those big 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 businesses started as as um a small business and i think that's a really good way you know like i'm no expert in what you've just said but i do have my own thought process around these these things and i I free think you know i don't just go along with a crowd but business is where i've had the opportunity to um instill my values and the way i I want to operate and then collaborate 
and to to change and to do things that you know when we started our business people used to think these people people say no how can you educate kids in afghanistan that's impossible two blokes in a van to do that just do, do that in five years do that in five years and i was like fuck off i'm doing it now i'm doing it right now otherwise i don't want to be in a business i don't want a business yeah so that was our way and, and you know you talk tell you on about up uplifting people well then we we have to uplift together there's no point of tr- keeping someone down there's no point you can't talk about climate change and someone in 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 deepest darkest africa or asia can't put food on the table or is living on the side of a road it's not going to work mate you have to uplift everyone and people even still they'll comment how we do things and say, why did you spend your money on kids in south sudan because it's the long game, isn't it? We have to uplift people. And I think that's the main thing. That's what we've done in business. We've tried, you know, we, we've tried to do, try to look after people as best we can. And the way we've changed stuff is, is through our actions and through our profit really and doing stuff for good. So sorry, I didn't engage with my tinfoil. No, I know. It's all right, mate. I, I like what you're saying mate. as but, well. But that was a way of doing things. You know, that's a tangible way of someone who's listening or someone who's doing right now. To go, yeah, well, you know, I don't know all the answers, but I do know that doing good stuff for people and not just focusing on cash, one, that scares people, people who aren't doing that, who focus on, on the negatives or focus on the stuff that's not mega important, focus on keeping people downtrodden and <clears throat> and then doing just that, doing your own thing in your own way, um, being creative about it and bringing good people with you. I think people confuse cash and and impact and success. You know, they're not they're not mutually exclusive. You know, you. I I believe that we all are. I believe that if you work to the limits of what you've been given as a human being, you know, your natural talents, your ability, where you were born, you will be happier in yourself, and you will have a bigger impact on the world. That doesn't mean that you like you're necessarily going to be rich. It doesn't mean that that's what you're chasing. But I don't know anybody that makes the most of their talents who isn't happy about it. Give an example. Some people, for instance, work in charity. I know somebody that runs a charity out the back of her car. Mm. She ain't making any fucking money out of it, but she's living her purpose and she's a fulfilled individual and she has left this world a better place than she found it. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think that we and we I think that every person is capable of doing that. So for instance, those people that said to you, Oh, we why you wait another five years? Well, because they need that one what one if you use that attitude, there's always a reason to fucking delay stuff. Yeah. But, you know, you can't wait five years. The things need changing. And, it, okay, you might be able to make the impact you're making might be less now, but you're making an impact. And I, we, we kind of get this idea into people's heads of, you know, wow, you got to be a millionaire to do, yeah, to do yeah, this. So you got to be a millionaire. No, you haven't. No, it's nonsense. Ba- back in what you're saying, it's absolute not. It, that is nonsense because we've lived it. You know, we've gone from a couple of days education a month to, you know, hundreds and hundreds, thousands now, I think it is. Um, but if you don't ever start, if you don't, if you don't have a vision and a purpose, um, then you'll never, you know, it's like goal setting, isn't it? You know, this goal was for us to, I think, we, I think originally it was to provide 365 days in a year. And we went, I think we doubled it that first year. And then that then just grew and grew and grew and grew. But if you don't have that there, if you don't want to change and you want to impact or, you know, you want to take control of things yourself, then, or if you want to do that, business is a very good way. And again, don't worry about having 500 people working for you or five people working for you. You know, we've got a, a society now where you can, I could freelance you, you could freelance me. We could work together and collaborate over technology and and we could get things done and we don't we don't need the man to give us permission to do it as such of course there's constraints still but we can you can change shit you can really change shit with with business as tiny as you want and you don't always have to go the charity route either to have purpose and and meaning in your life with regards to kind of uh what you do day to day and this just backs up what you were saying there about change mate and this is my opinion of it we're in a situation where we can change stuff so just just get out there and 
And uh, if you if you want to do something, it's easy to say it. It really is. It's really difficult to do it. It's really difficult to get a to hire a vehicle. It's really difficult to fill forms out for tax. It gets easier when you start going. Well, who's around me to help do that? Who's where's the accountant? Where's the copywriter? Where's the guy to build my website? Then things become uh, better. And then another challenge will come yes. it's like a step. It really is like a step. You know, you step up is a really sharp incline. Sometimes the steps are longer. Sometimes the inclines are shorter, sometimes longer. But if you build like that in life, you know, you build like that in your fitness, you build like that in your well being. you build like that in your mental fitness or your business or your relationships. Then if you, if the, if you imagine the ball, you're pushing a ball down on a step, that's pretty straightforward. Then the challenge comes and then you, you got to lift this ball up over the step that's great okay now i'm on a, a different plateau now and then you you go again and if the ball rolls back generally it only roll, rolls back one or two steps it's not going to go back all the way and i think that's that's for me is it's kind of like this realization although it's so simple that if you build step by step instead of just you know again i'm going off on one here but you know you get 300 grand's worth of uh of investment straight away you've kind of you haven't built the steps have you you know you haven't worked you haven't pushed the ball up and uh, you know if you t- if you take steroids with regards to fitness you know you, you're not you're not building the steps and the foundations you're not and if the when the ball rolls back it it just slides down it doesn't go back down one step or another I, I think that i think that's a common misconception people have mate is they think that once you're at a certain point it gets easy it's like no just new challenges comes in, but you know, to use your analogy of the the mountain, it doesn't get any less steep, but the view gets better. Yeah, as you get up, you know, and 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 I think that's that's it, and that's why I say to you, you got to be doing something you love because every job is fucking hard. I don't care if you love your job, if you're doing it properly, it's still going to be hard. If you're pushing yourself to the the maximum of your ability, it's still going to be hard. Mm. It's just that it will be. You it would you you just won't hate it because you'll put up with it. I'm sure having kids is fucking hard, but you love it. So you, or you love them, so you go through the hard parts, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah. That's a. I mean, that's a that's a ten hour podcast right there, mate. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's its own series, isn't it? Well, I did have one. Que- I did have one question about a, a kids, mate, because we'll sit, like you said, that is a big one. But you mentioned social media. I made a little note. What's your policy on your kids with social media? None. Nothing. No. TV, no technology, no phone, no iPad, no computer, bit of TV, once a day, hour max, unless it's a film as a family. And I, so what do you keep the kids, what do you keep the kids occupied with? Boredom. <laughs> kids get bored, they figure stuff out for themselves, give them the tools that, to do it. I have pens, I have paper, my, I'm a bit of a hippie at heart, my, my kids go to a Steiner school, so it's all about kind of child-led you know child-led learning they're allowed to they're allowed freedom and um so in my garden there's stuff for them to get bored with you know what i mean there's sticks uh, it's not rammed full of plastic we've got a trampoline but that's great for the dexterity and balance and and it's good fun and we can lock them in there for a couple of hours as well you know just like put a padlock on it but yeah it's um it it, you know it makes me cringe when i walk into a cafe a cafe or a restaurant and everyone sits down and the iPad comes out. It's like, fuck it. What is going, you know, you got to teach. And yes, and it's, it's harder short term to engage with a four year old and a five year old at, at a table when you're trying to have a meal short term, long term. If a kid's in front of an iPad, how are they ever going to learn how to, to give an order to a, a waiter or a waitress? How are they ever going to be polite to someone or understand that that's how you've got to be? You've got to use manners. You've got to be polite. That's a big problem with that that voice activation stuff, Alexa. Oh, mate, yeah, it's it's like fucking having a, it's like having a slave. Yeah, it's having a slave. You don't even have to say they should be on that. I don't know if there is because I don't use it, but they should be a a uh, politeness. Yeah. kind of mode on there where you've got to say please and yeah. thank you because i hear people do it and you're like god you never said please and thank you there so yeah so um yeah kid, kids getting bored is a really really valuable thing and i think sometimes we we feel like we have to constantly engage our children now i'm not perfect but um i think one of the things if you look at when kids go to a beach like a bit you know uh, the seaside is how much stuff 
parents bring for their kids. Yeah, it's like the fucking Normandy landings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that and pretend it's my own. Uh, um, if, you, if you've got a family that take tons of shit and plastic and nonsense to constantly stimulate their kids, or you've got a family there with some, a snorkel and mask or a bodyboard or whatever it is, or a uh, bucket and spade, it's it's interesting to see how their kids are behaving. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Less is mm-hmm. way more. Less is way more. And just stuff where kids can become creative. Lego is amazing. A stick is, is amazing. A bit of rope is amazing. Teaching kids um, knitting and sewing and um, not coaching kids not telling kids how to draw a face on a bit of paper allowing them just to get on with it not not correcting mistakes when it's artistic allowing that especially young children allowing it to to develop in their own way not and not worrying about this thing makes i get mate i see this is where i start ranting this is where i could have like the dad pod and go <laughs> nuts is you know this thing recently where they've been going um they have to catch up what they're catching up Shite. The man's shite. If we're looking at catching up, get 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 those get those schools with vulnerable kids in it. Get those schools with kids that haven't got the same opportunity as as Eton and all the rest of those schools. Get those get those schools caught up. Plow the money into those schools so kids can eat and kids can read and kids can write and kids can do art and all the rest of it. Guys, thank you for listening to the podcast today. Mike, thanks for giving up your time, mate. Appreciate it. As always, good to chat with you. Guys, if you want to hear more of Mike, check him out at Declassified Podcast. Um, you can find them on social media. You can also find them in the show notes there. I've got links to everything, um, and I'll put them up on some social media posts as well if, you, if you'd if you rather just click through on there. So check look look out for them on there. I'll tag them up in the posts. I thank you to Combat Fuel and Zulu Alpha Straps for sponsoring today's podcast. As I was saying in the intro, guys, you can support them. Uh, it doesn't have to be financially. Just share their posts that I tag um, up or share on the uh, veteran state of mind social media because you never know who might see him and put an order in and help support veteran-owned and veteran-operated businesses. Um, both of them as well do give back to charities and support other veteran enterprises, including this podcast. And thank you, as always, to the Royal British Legion. Would not be able to do this without them. Uh, all the British Legion ask, guys, is that you go and check out... Well, they don't even ask that. I'm asking this. Go and check out rbl.org.uk. See what the Legion have to offer you. There's all kinds, they, they do everything, uh, everything, guys, from supporting people with uh, PTS, don't call it PTSD anymore, PTS to um, to supporting businesses. Um, just get get in touch, guys. And if you are having, and, th- and they've asked me to say this as well, if you are having any issues with them, that, with services that you're trying to access, then get in touch. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, the Legion exists to support veterans and their families. That's what they're there for. They want you to get access to this stuff. So let's make that happen. Uh, thank you again for listening, guys. I'll catch you next time, and I love you, back. You told me not to worry, and you wouldn't break my heart. You told me you were sorry, and yeah, my whole world fell apart. You said it's not my fault, and yeah, I've never done you wrong. I'm grinding to a halt, now I can see you're moving on. I promised I'd get better, and I told you things would change. You keep me to the gutter, yeah, I'll never be the same. I've got to let you go, now live your life and spread your wings, and yeah, you put on quite a show, and pulled the puppet strings, and are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain Or maybe you should thank me It's your loss and my gain I'm leaving now forever I won't hang my head in shame But yeah, you've taken me for granted And you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us A dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live And something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet Or hold a newborn But no matter what I do My hands remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that Still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories fade, yeah, they go fast, yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess